Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you Make things better. Hello there, and welcome to today's program. As always, I am delighted that uh, you're joining in on the program today. Once again, whether live or uh, by listening to one of the recordings in the vast listening library on the Lives in a Balance website. Um, boy, I've just been uh, in the midst of reorganizing that listening library, and I'm still pretty blown away by just how many resources there are in the listening library for the two radio programs. Um, what a what a great free resource it is for people, and I'm, I'm hoping that if you're listening right now, you are feeling the same. Um, and of course, we're going to have another good program today. Not only do we have uh, a boatload of uh, email questions for me to respond to. We already have a caller, and um, as you probably also know, if you listen to this program uh, sometimes or even frequently, callers take top priority on this program. So, uh, well, let's let's get moving right away, shall we? Uh, from area code 256, uh, how are you today? I am good. Good. What's on your mind? Well, I just need some help with my eight-year-old son who, um, I'm sorry, I will probably get very upset because we had a very bad day yesterday. Um, he bad days are upsetting. Uh, they are, and it was very upsetting for me because it hurt him very badly. Uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD when he was four. Um, as the years have progressed, he has become uh, more, uh, has ODD. Uh, he has a great problem with executive functioning skills. Um, it seems like the more that we work on it, the worse it gets. I'm not really sure uh, what's going on with that. I have read both of your books, uh, Parenting the Explosive Child, also Treating the Explosive Child, because I am a nurse practitioner uh, who has a strong background in pediatrics. It's very hard to get your own child, and you work every day with children with this problem, when you want to, you know how it's supposed to work, but it just doesn't work that way sometimes. All right. So, as always, the devil's going to be in the details. What happened yesterday? Well, he he plays baseball. Uh, he plays first base. He's an actually an excellent athlete. Uh, we positive reinforce constantly. Um, Great day. I always tell him, I don't care if your team loses as long as you have a great game. I, I could care less whether you, you win or lose. It's as long as you play well. 
played well, excellent. I mean, just excellent game. First base, caught every ball that was thrown to him. Some that were uncatchable, he caught. Um, one play, he thought he got a kid out, and the umpire said, no, you didn't. He lost it. Mm-hmm. He could not get himself back together. He sat down on first base and just sobbed. And, I mean, couldn't get his, could not get his control back. Uh, I, you know, we have had this happen before, but it's been a while. Uh, could not calm him down, could not, you know, just we had to pull him off first base. It could continue to cry in the dugout, had to send him to the car. Uh, he constantly, he is, of course, he is always right. <laughs> you know, as that goes with any child with ADHD and ODD, he's always right, no matter what you say. I did not, you know, try to calm him down at that point, did not approach what was going on because he was too upset, you know, no, not to do it then. Um, later on that night, he apologized, but he still cannot comprehend what he sees and what somebody else sees as being different. It's always how he sees it, and there is no changing his thoughts, none okay. whatsoever. So, um, if I was to look at the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and um, it sounds like you have, you've uh, oh, yes. got... You understand, and here's the good news. You've taken some giant steps forward already. I know that that's not making you feel any better about yesterday. Um, <laughs> and the truth is, it's not my job to make you feel better about yesterday. I, no. Yesterday was lousy, you know. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to pretend that yesterday, well, wait a minute. Uh, there's one thing about yesterday. It reminds us that there's work to be done. Of course, you didn't need that already. You You knew that. But it does give us a specific unsolved problem that we do need to work on, and that is him, and I'm, I'm, now I'm going to grapple a little bit with how to phrase it, him handling, him disagreeing, uh, let, me, let me word it the way I like to, I'm going to put the word difficulty in front of it, difficulty, um, when the umpire makes a call that he disagrees with. Correct. That's the unsolved problem. But you're also naming. So Right. So now you're naming some of the global lagging skills that you believe are contributing to that. And you mentioned executive skills. And I don't know, maybe you're talking there about something like difficulty shifting cognitive set. Yeah, exactly. That's one of his biggest ones. But you've also described a kid who's always right, and uh, that's not a lagging skill, of course, that's a sort of a description, but that frequently leads me to the part of the ALSUP, that the, the lagging skill section that talks about um, certain lagging skills related to being a very concrete, literal, black and white thinker, getting an idea in his head and having it take an earthquake to shake it loose. Is that him that's as it. well? Exactly. All right. That's him to a nutshell. So, You've got so it. So here's here's the good news. We got the right lenses on. He's lacking skills. Now, here's the other good news. He, there's also some areas in which he is, has some very clear skills. He's an outstanding first baseman. And by the way, I should mention, uh, I was watching some highlights on Sports Center, ESPN. This is not a plug for ESPN. But <laughs> I, I was watching some highlights of some other, some adult human beings 
having the exact same problem that your son is having when umpires make calls that they feel are incorrect. So, well, apparently he's not alone in that. But uh, they don't, you know, in in, in uh, little league baseball, they don't, they don't. And the truth is, in professional sports, it's kind of entertaining when the uh, manager loses it. In little league, in little league, they don't find it quite so entertaining, and you don't find it quite so entertaining, uh, even remotely, that your son was sitting on first base crying because he disagreed with the umpire's call. Right, and it was just you know usually most kids can shake it off. Of course, he cannot. And that's and correct. That, well, and but here's why I want to say specific though. Right. So here's the thing: you said something very early on. You said the more you work on it, the worse it gets. Here's here's right. the million dollar question: What are you working on? Making him understand what his skills are. You know, helping him cope with his peers, cope with Got it. It's too global. Cope with uh, how you know we talk about the baseball game every time before the game. This yep. is if if this happens, what are you going to do? Well, he tells me. I say, okay, that's great. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, we we go through step by step of every time before any situation. If we're going out to eat, how are we going to do? If we're going with 15 people, you know, how how are you not going to interrupt or or you know, let's talk about that. We go through the steps, and it, it just it he can't grasp it long enough to continue to follow through with his actions. What he has so. thought he should do. Well, now here's what I'm hearing. I'm gonna I'm gonna translate that. First of all, you don't want to be working on something so global as um, keeping him himself under control. It's too big. Okay. You want to be working on specific unsolved problems. And the biggest problem it sounds like he has in a baseball game. Now he might have others. I mean, I, you haven't told me yet about how he acts when he doesn't get the big hit and his team really needed him to get the big hit. I don't know if that's a biggie for him as well. It is. He gets very angry at himself. Yep. And will cry, but, you know, he'll cry and walk back to the dugout. Yes, he gets extremely angry at himself. He gets angry at himself, and the global issue here is that he gets very upset when things don't go the way he thought they would. Right. Now I'm reflecting on what do most of us do when things don't go the way we thought they would. Well, the reality is even those of us who think we're pretty good at dealing with life, when it doesn't go the way we thought it would, you catch us on the wrong day, we're still looking pretty bad too. It's just that he's looking bad more reliably. The, exactly. the good news, it is under fairly predictable conditions. Wrong call by the umpire, didn't get the hit that he his team badly needed him to get, and that he fully expected that he would get. Yes? Correct. But those are specific unsolved problems. Those are much more specific than sort of a more global maintaining your composure in a baseball game. So thing number one that I'm hearing, I think, is that you do want to be working on specific unsolved problems, not global lagging skills but rather specific unsolved problems. And here's the basic thought here, that the global skill is too big to work on. 
But if you work on these specific unsolved problems, he'll slowly but surely get better at the global skill anyhow. Does that make okay. sense? Yes. In other words, if you help him get better at dealing with it when an umpire makes a call he disagrees with at first base, then you have simultaneously helped him get better at the more global skill of maintaining his composure during a baseball game. But if you work on something so big as maintaining his composure during the first football the, during a baseball game, that's too big. That, I don't know how you work on that. It's it's too big. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. But here's number that, that, two. I got sense. this. I got this bad feeling that you're doing um, what in schools they call coming up with a replacement behavior. You're saying to him, "Here's what." or at least he's able to regurgitate back to you, here's what I should be doing instead. Now let me ask you a question. Because you don't want to sign off on solutions that aren't realistic. If we were to be working on the unsolved problem of him um, uh Uh, not having so much difficulty when he disagrees with the umpire's call. We don't really know what the solution to that is going to be. But let me ask you what replacement behavior you'd rather he exhibit instead of what he did. Well, the biggest thing I try to tell him, how can you shake off your disappointment? What does he say to that? He, he doesn't know. I don't know. Right. So now he here's the deal. He keeps saying that he should have been out. He should have been out. And, he, he may, and you know what? Maybe he was right. And that was his. That's his feeling, right? And I kept reinforcing that he cannot control how fast the other child threw the ball to him. That is not oh. something he can control. Oh, so the kid wasn't out. It's just that the throw got there slowly. Right. And he, Got kicked, it. you know, he caught the ball on first base, but the kid still—it was the, like, the kid you know, was safe. just that the, minute, it, it was the ball didn't close. arrive on time. Right, and right. I, you know, that's why I told him. I said it was wonderful. You caught the ball. You did great, but because he felt the child was out, and the umpire said no. Ah, so it, they did disagree. Right. So, so it was just, you know. One of those things uh, that is usually very minute in a lot of children's minds, and this has happened numerous times before, and he'll kind of yeah. sew up and cry just a little bit. Yeah. But yesterday it was just, you know, uh, over the top. A very over the top, yeah. Right. Here's what I'm hearing, though. You simply telling him what a good first baseman he is doesn't help him handle that frustration any better you're correct you telling him that it's not his fault that the throw didn't arrive on time doesn't help him handle that frustration any better correct you telling him that if he's going to play sports he's going to have to handle umpires getting the call wrong better because umpires do get calls wrong isn't helping him handle that frustration any better right Right. So what I'm hearing is that one of the tried and true strategies of parenting, um, telling him tried and true lessons of the game of baseball, 
isn't solving the problem. Right. Now, what I'm not hearing, I am hearing a little bit of what might be the empathy step. He's telling you that the ball should have gotten there on time. He's telling you that the umpire may have been wrong. I suppose your concern or perspective, this would be the define the problem step, would be that um, what, what's your, what would your concern be? What, why, what are you concerned about on that unsolved problem? I guess more him not being able to shake it off and go to the next play. And, you know, why why should he shake it off and go to the next play? Well, I mean, in baseball you can't stop. But, I mean, that's, you know, sometimes you should be able to. In different situations you could. But I guess it's more controlling that emotion at that time and... You know, maybe let's talk about it later, but it's very hard for him to control that emotion at that moment. But I'm still pulling for that. That actually feels like what you want him to do instead. Why is it important that he not sit on first base and cry? Why Why right. shouldn't he do that? I, mean, I know that, that it, it may be obvious, but I'm trying to get your concern on the table here. Why shouldn't he do that? Hmm. You want my concern? Yeah. Okay. Well, because it's upsetting to all the other children. None of the other children understand why he's doing it. Okay. It's upsetting to the other kids. Right. Any other reasons? uh, Well, of course, it's embarrassing as a parent, but I kind of just get over that, and I try my best to and try to work on how he's feeling and try to focus. I'm like, okay, why are you getting upset? Well, I got upset because he was out. Well, the umpire said, no, he wasn't out. He, he was safe. Okay, that's what like, happened. Right. But I'm still pulling for your concern. It's embarrassing okay. to you as a parent. Uh, it's The other kids don't understand why he's doing it. Those are all... He's being dramatic. And I guess my concern is I want him to be able to handle his emotions because... He's eight. He's got a long way to go, and he's got to learn to handle those emotions in a way that works for him. Good. I guess that's my biggest concern. All right. So now here's what, and you'll have to tell me if you're doing it this way, here's what the invitation would sound like. I wonder if there's a way for us to help you handle the umpire making a call that you disagree with even though you know he might be wrong help you handle that in a way that doesn't make me embarrassed reflect poorly on you or is upsetting to your teammates do you have any ideas that's what we went over last night after he calmed down and we got home and everything. And I said, you know, how can we work on this if you and the umpire disagree on something? What 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 is your answer for it? And he he cannot he cannot describe what he needs to do. He's like, I don't know, I don't know. Well, that's that's I don't know right now. Um, mm-hmm. And the truth is. He doesn't know. That's why we're solving the problem. That's if he, it. If he knew, 
then he'd be doing it. The thing I want, the thing to be careful of, is agreeing on solutions. Number one, I'll take I don't know over agreeing on solutions that we know he can't do. Okay. So now comes the hard part, quite frankly. That, that this is, to tell you the truth, why it's so hard. What could he do instead of sitting on first base and crying? What would be better than that? Well, that's um, what I asked him last night. I said, why don't you go and sit in, in your room and let's let you think of some things that you might be able to help you get through that. And he may have no idea. He doesn't. He, he cannot right. comprehend that. Um, he he doesn't have good, you know, I guess problem-solving skills, which is one of, you know, he's, he's lacking well, that's why, in that. That's why you're doing this. That's right. And he, he just what, dislikes. Let me ask you this. What should he do instead? What? Well, when we look at the kids. Go ahead. Well, I've talked about, you know, anywhere from um, crossing his fingers real hard, you know, just trying to focus on something that he can do with his ADHD because he's so fugitive anyway. Uh, you know, kicking the dirt three times, you know, something like that. <laughs> I said, let's try something simple, you know, and then let's go back. You know, then you have to refocus to the next batter and pay attention to them. Um, that may be a big leap. He, you may you may lose him for a few batters, but yeah, at least he's not sitting on first base crying. Right. My my question is, um, kicking first base, that's an option. I guess what I'm wondering, and I don't like to sort of push too hard for certain solutions, but it feels to me like there are some things he would need to be thinking to help him see his way through that. Okay. Um, and now I'm going to what do, and, and I, number one, I'm wondering, and I, once again, this is I don't, I don't like doing this because this is between you and him. I'm just brainstorming with you. The person who we're missing here is him. Exactly. I'm wondering about him watching Sports Center and seeing a bad call. And seeing a player handling a bad call, and there are bad calls all the time. Umpires and referees and basketball officials are not perfect, and things are happening in front of them really quickly. And um, we all have the benefit of instant replay, but they don't most of the time. I mean, in football, I guess they do, but um, in baseball they do a little bit. But there's, there's bad calls being made all the time. I wonder if that provides anything helpful for him. Okay, we can do that. I wonder if we thought about what Major League Baseball players think when there's a bad call. I mean, they don't sit on, generally speaking, I mean, managers do sometimes get upset and players get upset. In fact, one player got upset, I think it was last week, and he threw his helmet on the ground and it hit the umpire and he's suspended for five days. That's what I told him. I said, you can't argue with the umpire. He's going to throw you out of the game. <laughs> well, but what I'm going to is this. He he knows he knows that he can't do what he's doing. He just doesn't exactly know what he should be doing and thinking instead. I'm just wondering if we helped him think about what people in the exact same situation think. Wonder what I wonder what Dustin Pedroia. He's the second baseman for the Red Sox. 
Wonder what he's thinking right now about the fact that the umpire completely messed up that call because he's not okay. screaming at him and he's not sitting on second base crying. I wonder what he's thinking. That's a good point. That's something we can do. I could even pull those up on probably but here's the main on the thing. Internet. Here's the main thing. It sounds like you are teaching him a lot of lessons, and I think he already knows those lessons. Okay. Lesson, lesson teaching isn't solving the problem. And right. here's the deal. This, this is a hard one. Uh, dealing with one's frustration in the midst of a baseball game, that's a hard one. So I don't know if, you know, right? I don't know if the I've first solution you guys come up with it are going to get the job done. Right. And I've gone back and forth whether he should play sports, but he loves it and he he's actually good at it. And But then the emotional outcome gets so overwhelming that I wonder if it's good for him. Um, but, sounds like a mixed bag. It is. It, it really is sometimes because he loves basketball also. And he's He's extremely. He's already five foot for an eight year old, so he's very tall. That's why they've got him on first base. But, um, but it's very hard as a parent to see him struggle and get upset when it's minor things to an adult, but it's very serious things to him. Absolutely. And and, and that's what's hard. To he's look not at. the only one. There's adults who take these things really seriously too. You're right. Well, thank you. This may help some. We'll look at some of this and then ask what he thinks. And uh, fewer lessons, more solutions that are realistic. It sounds like is the direction I'd head in. Okay. Fewer lessons, thanks. solutions that are realistic. Okay. And you are welcome to call in any time. We don't do the program in July, June, July, and August, but. If, and you may not have much of a sample between next this week and next week, which is our last program of until until September. But if you want to call back in and let us know how the next conversation went, we'd okay. be delighted to hear from you again. Thank you so much for your time and everything that you do. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, isn't it great that... Uh, People call in, and um, yes, it's upsetting um, seeing your kid do that. And um, yep, we got to do something about it. And then it gets down into the nitty gritty of uh, Plan B and making sure, especially, that the solutions we're coming up with are realistic. I can't tell you how often. Um, I see us adults coming up with replacement behaviors for what the kids should be doing differently. But the kids can't do it differently. So the problem hasn't been solved. Um, So I hope Mom calls back next week and lets us know how it goes. Uh, Let me just double-check here. We do not have any other callers today. So I'm going to jump into the email because we got five people who are hoping that their email is going to get answered today because here on this radio program, as well as the one for educators, we like to let people know that their question is going to get answered. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to start on... Just a minute. I'm going to start on this one. 
my 17-year-old is very bright, but gets C's and D's in math and science. I think it's because he isn't willing to put in the work to get good grades. He gets A's in classes that are easy for him, like history and English. After reading about your philosophy, I've tried to talk with him about what might be causing the problem, but he refuses to talk with me about it. Is this a problem-solving issue, adaptability, or what? Well, I don't know what it is, but here's my bet. I'm betting that this is not about him not being willing to put in the work to get good grades. Um, the, the classes that are easy for him are apparently coming naturally to him. That's why they're easy. The ones that are harder apparently are not coming naturally to him. That would require us to figure out what's hard about them, not, and this would be a completely different line of questioning, not why he's not willing to put the work in to get good grades. Here's here's two different empathy steps on the same thing, one which I suspect might get a kid talking and one I suspect would not. Here's Here's the one I suspect wouldn't. I've noticed that um, it's been hard for you to get good grades in math um, because I suspect you're not willing to work, put the work in to get those good grades. What's up? Well, you just told him what's up. Here's a different way that might sound. I want to revise it. One that probably wouldn't get a kid talking to you. I've noticed that you're not willing to put the work in to get good grades in math and science. What's up? Um, if you're wrong about that, and I'm betting you are, um, one of the reasons kids don't talk to us adults is because we let off the empathy step with a theory and they think our theory is wrong. And so in some kids, that would get them screaming at us. In some kids, they would just get irritated that you got them wrong and either mumble, I don't know, or not talk, or say, I can't talk to you about that. Now, what what might I can't talk to you about that mean? I can't talk to you about that because there's not going to be any change in your mind. You made you made your mind up already. You think I'm not willing to put in the work? All right. What would it sound like if we were not already convinced that we knew what was getting in his way? Here's the revised empathy step. I've noticed that it's been um, hard for you to get good grades in math this semester. What's up? No, there's no theory in there. We haven't already told him that we think we know what's the matter. He's not willing to put the work in. Now maybe he'll say something like, I just don't get it. And now we can start drilling for information. What don't you get? I don't know, man. We're doing uh, this complicated trigonometry, and I'm just lost. Well, now we're starting to get some traction on understanding why he's getting C's and D's in math. 
but we're not going to get any traction if we're leading off the empathy step with that he only work that he only does well in classes that are easy for him, and he's not willing to put the work in to get good grades. So, just one man's theory, and it was a brief question. So I'm making out of it what you've given me. Uh, let's go back to the empathy step. Let's word it differently. Let's be neutral in laying the unsolved problem on the table. Let's not go in with a theory. Let's not go in with our mind already made up about what's going on. And now you've just greatly increased the likelihood that he'll talk to you. It's a problem-solving issue, all right, but I'm not sure what else it is. Uh, unsolved problems should be theory-free. Unsolved problems should be behavior-free as much as possible. Hope that makes sense. If it didn't, please feel free to call in on next week's program. It's, it's your last crack at it for about three months till September. Let's go to another one. Um, hold on a second. Down the email a little further. Here we go. Uh, I'm the one. I am the Dr. Green. I'm, a, I'm the mother of a wonderfully spirited and explosive, almost three-year-old little girl. I have known she was different since she was born. As an infant, she was constantly moving and labeled as colicky. Once she gets worked up, she is difficult to soothe. I have suspected she may be ADHD or even bipolar. Well, we're not in any big rush to put her in a category, I'm sure. I have no plans of medicating her. I have considered seeking out the help of a psychologist, but I'm hesitant because although in some ways a label would bring some peace of mind to the situation, what good will it really do for Sarah at this point in her life? Well, you're preaching to the choir there. I am a school psychologist. I have tried everything, and nothing has worked. I just ordered your book, and I am looking forward to reading it. One concern I have is, how do I deal with the adults in Sarah's? How do I deal with the adults in my daughter's life? I turn to my friends for support, but I'm starting to feel judged. I get comments like, "I just don't tolerate that type of behavior," or "She just acts like that so she can get her way." There is nothing rewarding for her or myself when she's having a tantrum. They are painful to watch. Her level of distress is not worth whatever the superficial tri trigger was. I don't believe my daughter is simply a brat. I believe she gets stuck cognitively and then all hell breaks loose. I know that unless you have a child like this, you simply can't understand it. What is your, what is your advice? Do I just not talk about it? My life is very stressful at times due to this. My little girl disrupts our whole household with her fits, and sometimes I need to process it with a friend. What is your take on seeking out a psychologist for her? Early intervention is so important. She has never had a tantrum at preschool. She gets along and interacts wonderfully with other children, minus her little brother. Can she be explosive without being labeled ADHD, bipolar, or oppositional defiant? Will she be okay? 
Thank you for writing in. Lots of questions. How do you deal with other parents? There's really no quick soundbite for people who've never had a kid like this. There's no quick soundbite for people who are seeing you dealing with your daughter or hearing about how you're dealing with it and have never had to deal with it themselves. No sound bites. So I hope that there are some of those people, the adults in her life, that will take some time to listen. A lot of adults are going to want to give you what I call over-the-back-fence advice. Uh, we, we adults do this on just about everything. We try to solve the problem for other people while knowing precious little about it. You don't want over-the-fence advice. I, I think that if you want to confide in somebody, which is fantastic, confide in people who are willing to listen for a while, and if they have doubts about your take on things, maybe even, and this would be a good friend, people who are willing to listen to uh, a radio program on the Lives in a Balance website, one of the archived radio programs. So I think that there are some people that I would talk to about it and other people I wouldn't talk to about it. You get to decide who's important for you to talk to about it, but there's no sound bites. So whoever you decide to talk to about it, you'd want to make sure that they were willing to take the time and listen. And people who wouldn't be insulted if you let them know that their over-the-back fence advice if wasn't exactly what you were looking for. You were just looking for someone to listen. Other questions that you had, what's my take on seeking out a psychologist for her? Depending on where you live, um, there might be a mental health professional who is familiar with collaborative problem solving. They are listed on the CPS Connection website, cpsconnection.com. There aren't that many of them yet, but I'm working very hard at making sure that there are more. Um, you can always email back um, through my assistant, Allie, or directly to me if you have that email address. And if I know somebody in your area, because if there's nobody on the CPS Connection website for you, um, actually, you and I have exchanged emails, so you have it. Um, and in fact, I'm going to read your follow-up email after we're through with this. Um, if you're feeling like you need more help with her than what you're able to manage, then I do think you want to seek out assistance. Your last question, well, second to last, can she be explosive without being labeled with some disorder? Yeah, she already is. No one has conferred a diagnosis on her yet, and she's explosive. So I don't know that you need a, diag a diagnosis to verify for you what you already know. You know. Actually, you know a lot about her. 
will she be okay? Well, she's got a mom who's very concerned about her, and I get the feeling from your email that you're going to work very hard to make sure she's okay. And um, you're learning about collaborative problem solving. I could never tell you that she's going to be okay because I've never met her, and I would never even say that about a kid who I have met. But you've got some very good ingredients already in place. Here's the follow-up email. Uh, I started reading your book and have found it to be wonderfully helpful. It makes so much sense. I'm viewing my daughter in a much different light now. I'm looking at her behavioral challenges as being the result of skills deficits. I'm viewing her in much the same light I do the students I work with who have learning disabilities. I'm doing much more teaching rather than just rewards and timeouts. For example, bedtime is always a battle. I started working with her on understanding the concept of time. I explained to her that tomorrow when she wakes up is a whole new day and we can play, go to the park and watch Fresh Beat Band all day tomorrow. I don't know what that means. Bedtime is still difficult, but this approach seems to be leading us in the right direction. Currently, my biggest issue is getting her to be nice to her little brother. I find myself teaching her more about empathy and what it means to be a big sister and family. I no longer feel like I have an ADHD, bipolar, or ODD child. I feel like I have a child with some skills deficits, a child who learns differently rather than a child with behavioral problems. My husband and I have had conversations about what we will do the first time we are called into the school due to a behavior issue. How will we handle it if a teacher or administrator tries to talk to us about medicating our daughter? We, we agree that medication is out of the question. I work in education, and the labels and medications these come to school with is scary. What are these drugs doing to these developing minds, and do these doctors even care? Drugs are nothing more than Band-Aids. As you have said, we put reading intervention time into the schedule of a child who is struggling to read. We don't give them a pill or look at them and say, you will read. Intervention to teach social, emotional, and problem-solving skills need to be incorporated when working with children with challenging behaviors. The majority of what I have read on working with challenging behaviors has been about structure, setting limits, setting behavioral contingencies. Thank you so much for the work you do. I hope your message reaches every parent with a challenging child, as well as every school district and pediatric practice. I know I have a long road ahead of me, but I feel up to the challenge. I wouldn't trade my spirited daughter for any other type of personality. She is the best. Wow. I bet she is. The only part of your email that I would uh, take issue with is that, you know what, sometimes medicine do help kids. I'm the first to agree that they are over-prescribed and sometimes not very carefully and sometimes very inappropriately, and I agree that it's overdone. Um, but we don't want to say all medications don't work for all kids. Some need them badly, but I um, sounds to me like you are up to the challenge, and I look forward to hearing back from you again. 
Uh, I know I didn't get to three of the questions that we were supposed to get to today, but those will be first on tap for next week, our last Parenting Your Challenging Child uh, until September. Um, I look forward to doing that program next week with you. And um, in the meantime, let's call it a day today. Thanks for listening in. Talk to you again next week. 